Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Well, good morning, everyone. Try that again. Good morning, everyone. Hey, if you're comfortable, turn, give a fist bump to a couple people. Say good morning, say hi. If you're not comfortable, that's totally understandable. Just kind of greet your neighbor real quick. Say hello. And as we always like to say, that's every introvert's nightmare that just happened right in the middle of church. Hey, so um, as was just mentioned in the announcement video, this morning after the 11 a.m. service at about 12.15, all the nurses from city are going to be gathering out under the tent. There's going to be a luncheon provided, and we're going to be spending some time with the nurses. Uh, there'll be a prayer of blessing. Arlene Yuan, who is a retired nurse that served on the board here at city for many, many years, she will be the one that'll be praying over all the nurses. But if you are a nurse in this uh, service, we really encourage you come back at 11.15, but just in case, well, let me put it this way. If you're a nurse, please stand here in the sanctuary. If you're a nurse, stand. And remain standing, too. Don't be seated. You can now be seated. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's lost on any of us the service or the sacrifice that's given by these people. Can we say amen to that? Amen. And um, although we're going to be talking about serving this morning, I think the calling into the medical field, um, nurses maybe in particular, it's such a deep, exhausting calling and the need never ends, right? So it's, uh, we're so grateful for what you do to serve uh, and the calling that you have. Now, what we're going to do this morning is, I'd like every one of you to take out the bottle of water that you were handed, take the lid off and pour it over your neighbor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm only joking. What I'm going to ask that you would do, though, is that you would hold it in your hand. This is going to become important as this sermon goes on. The title of this morning's sermon is Kingdom of Life, Even a Cup of Cold Water. Even a Cup of Cold Water. Now, as you noticed in the announcement video, two Sundays ago, City Church, on Sunday morning, had a service outdoors, and then everyone who was part of City fanned out all over the city, and there were dozens or over a dozen places where people were either serving here on this piece of property or out there in our community doing all different types of things. And it was a powerful Sunday. How many of you were able to participate with that? I know not everyone was, but... So grateful for those of you that did. And at the beginning of that outdoor service, I just gave a brief devotional on this passage of Scripture. There was a different text that I was supposed to preach on this morning, but I felt so drawn to go back to the text that I briefly shared on that Sunday morning. And so what we're going to look at is the whole idea of the kingdom of God coming through your life and mine to those around us. And as we look at Scripture... We always have to remember that Jesus said the following, the greatest among you will be your servant. Jesus said that. Now, I know servant leadership is a huge thing in upper-level 
MBA programs and leadership institutes, but think about this. Jesus was the one who understood leadership 2,000 years ago in the sense of being a servant. He knew. And so any one of us who follow Jesus knows that the greatest position we can ever hold is that of serving others in his kingdom because the kingdom of God has and always will be an upside-down kingdom. And so what we're going to take a look at this morning is Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 8. Matthew 10, 1 through 8, and we're going to read these in just a few moments. But I want to explain in advance what is happening in this passage. If you were to look in the Gospel of Matthew, you would notice that Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is where Jesus casts his vision for a new people. It's where Jesus casts his vision for a new kingdom. And anyone who follows Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount is the vision for our lives. What does it look like? He tells us there. Now, in that, what Jesus does is what any rabbi would have done. Jesus brings this relatively lengthy teaching. He comes down off the mountain and he walks it out for the next two chapters, chapters seven or chapters eight and nine. He walks it out. What does it look like when the kingdom of God invades a world that's filled with brokenness, dysfunction, death, self-centeredness, violence, me, not you, all of that? What does it look like when Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of God, actually begins to break into this world? What does it look like? Well, he shows us for two chapters. It looks like dead people being raised to life. It looks like demonized people and the demons being cast out. It looks like healings. It looks like people being fed that are hungry, all of that happens. And so Jesus walks out the Sermon on the Mount. He demonstrates it real time. What does it look like when the kingdom of heaven invades earth through him? And what Matthew chapter 10 verses 1 through 8 is, is where Jesus does what every great leader does. What Jesus did in front of his disciples is he talked about it on the Sermon on the Mount. Then he actually went and walked it out, and they watched. Partway through there, Jesus, they're watching him do it. They begin to do it together. It's what great leaders do. They talk about it, they model it, and then they bring other people along. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. What chapter 10 is, is when they're going to go do it by themselves. So the leadership succession has happened. He talked about it, he modeled it, they watched then they did it together, and now Jesus is handing the baton to them and saying, now you go bring kingdom into a broken world. Now it's your turn. You go do it. That's what's happening. So let's take a quick look at Matthew 10, verses 1 through 8. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First... Simon, who's also called what? The second best name in the Bible after Jesus. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. My name's Peter, by the way. And his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother Philip, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of Samarans. 
Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, and as you go, proclaim this message. you got to hear the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, if you would recall, the kingdom of heaven in the gospel of Matthew is declared as the kingdom of God in the other three gospels. Same thing. So Jesus looks at his disciples and says, here's what I want you guys to do. I taught about it. You watched me do it. We did it together. And now you have received the authority. Now you go do this. I want you to go out and proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And right then, Jesus commands his disciples to put feet to their faith. That this isn't a kingdom of sitting and listening. It's a kingdom of listening but going and doing. And also notice what Jesus says to them as we read on. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts, no bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. What Jesus is saying is you're also going to have to trust God. Don't take your MasterCard. Don't take your visa. I want you to leave that at home, and I want you to go, and this whole trip is going to be about trusting God. I want you to go and trust him. And so Jesus sends out his disciples, and then all of chapter 10 is about what they're going to face, and if you read it, it's grim. A lot of stuff's going to come at them. They're going to wrestle with a lot of stuff. He warns them throughout chapter 10, what does it look like when you try to bring the kingdom of God into a dying, hostile world? What will that do? He tells them. But then at the very end of chapter 10, the end of this commissioning, here's what he says. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever, proclaim, or whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And then our focus. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. They're not going to lose their reward. Now, I want you to notice what happens in chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus gathers his disciples, and he gives them spiritual authority over everything that death does in the world, from demon possession to disease to people dying. He gives them authority over all of that. By the way, you and I have that as well. The scripture's clear that you and I have the authority of Jesus wherever we go. I want to encourage you to do something as someone in the kingdom. The next time you sit down with someone, whether in a restaurant, at work, at the mailbox, wherever it's at, and someone pours their heart out to you, and you hear a story of dysfunction and death and brokenness, I want you to ask them if they would be okay with you praying for them. And after they say yes, say, how about now? But don't get creepy. (laughs) Don't lay hands on their head and get up on your toes and point to heaven. I've done this so many times. 
I've said, listen, I'm, I would like to pray for you now. You can just sit here and look at me like we're in a conversation. But I want to invite God's presence. Would you mind? No one ever says no, ever. And you just simply begin to pray and you ask God's kingdom to come in his presence to invade this person's struggles. And so what we discover is, is that at the outset of this call in Matthew 10, they're given authority over demons, over sickness and disease. But the commissioning ends very fascinating. At least it's fascinating to me. The commissioning of his 12 disciples goes from this supernatural power stuff that always gets the ink and always gets Christianity's Today's biggest article. Church grows to 10,000. 50 people got healed, whatever it is. But it ends with this odd little thing where Jesus says in Matthew 10, 42, and if anyone gives even a cup of cold water, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. That's stunning to me. Because I grew up in a church that clapped loudly for Billy Graham and 100,000 people being in a crusade, and they should. But no one ever clapped for the cup of cold water. No one ever did. And so what Jesus is saying is, you know how Billy Graham gets an awesome reward and we go, yeah, I can believe it. He says, all you have to do is figure out who to give this to. And you get a reward too. That's it, just this. This cup of water, in my name, find someone and give it to them. Well, here's what I know. This little cup of water, my eyes aren't good enough to... How many ounces are on this? Someone with glasses. How many ounces? Eight ounces. Okay, so eight ounces. Doesn't this seem quite insignificant? 70% of the earth's surface is water. This seems so insignificant, doesn't? Thinking about that. This just seems minuscule and small. But Jesus says, not to me. To me, he said, this looks like worthy of a reward, a heavenly reward. Interesting. Now, today we're celebrating nurses. There'll be the luncheon after. Nurses are people who have spent years of training, at least I hope so. <laughs> There's a couple of nurses that I remember when I first came to City 25 years ago, they were just little kids and they've been trained and gone to local nursing schools and they're serving in local hospitals and I have a deal with each one of them that they will treat me for free. That's the deal that we have. But I watched them go through the grind of that training. And now their entire lives are dedicated to serving others with extensive training. We have huge respect for that. And it's important that people get trained to do what they do. But my fear is in the kingdom of God, we look at people like pastors or missionaries and we falsely assume that they are the ones that have a reward waiting. The text is clear, is that anyone can give this and have a reward in Jesus' kingdom, anyone. And here's what I know, is that a child can do this. It doesn't take an adult with degrees in order to do this. 
This is something anyone can do. Think about it. Jesus, as he was thinking about his kingdom taking over the world and a kingdom of life coming into a kingdom of death, held this up. So this is what you need. This is what you need to advance the kingdom. Now, when I think about, again, big advances in the kingdom, I oftentimes, like you, think about the big stuff. I think about the big book bag giveaway that we participate with as a church every year on the downtown mall and literally 1,500 kids show up and backpacks are given to them. And I look at that and the creative minds that put that together, the administrative minds that put that together. So I have a question. How many of you in here, I'd love to know this, are creatives? You're a creative person. You, you can just sit down and real high, raise your hand really high. And ideas just kind of drop out of your ears. Go ahead. You're a creative. How many of you, like me, are non-creatives? Look around the room, creatives. We need you horribly. How many of you are really good administrators? Raise your hand. Real high. Come on, be loud and proud. Most people don't acknowledge your gifting. You're a good at... How many of you are like me, where administration, if you look at a spreadsheet, you just glaze over? You like me? You see, normally, effective outreach in the kingdom takes creative people and administrators, but not here. All it takes now is someone who knows that someone else has a need. That's all it takes. Whenever I think about what we're talking about this morning in serving, I think about a very famous story that Mother Teresa told. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, most of you have heard of her. Mother Teresa, there's an episode in her ministry where in the middle of the night she was woken up by one of her workers and they said, you know, Mother Teresa, listen, there's this family that's in the ghetto in that, in a hovel of a house, there's a widow that has six children and she's going to starve to death. They haven't eaten in a few days and so Mother Teresa tells the story where she gets a bag full of bread she gets food together, and she goes and she finds this hovel, and she goes in, and the kids' bellies are distended with hunger, and she gets down on the floor, and she hands them the bread. And the mother reaches in the bag, takes out half, sets it on the floor, puts the bag together, and walks out. Mother Teresa waited. About 10 minutes later, she came back. Mother Teresa said, what was that about? And she said, they were hungry too right? But what Mother Teresa said, I'll never forget. She said this, I wasn't surprised she gave. I was surprised she knew. I was surprised she knew. Because her need is so great. How did she know? It shocked Mother Teresa. But when I think about that story, I think about giving cups of cold water Listen, in our lives as followers of Jesus, it's so easy for us to let our sufferings or our struggles blind us to the needs of others, and it becomes all about me. Mother Teresa said, I was surprised that she knew. I was so surprised. I look at our lives, and I think to myself, Jesus calls us to be people that bring life into the midst of death. What does it mean when someone hands you a cup of cold water? You ever had that happen? 
You ever been somewhere and someone said, hey, you look thirsty, and they, what does that do to you? What it does to you is it tells you you've been seen, you've been noticed. What it tells you is that your need has not been lost on humanity, but someone saw your need. More importantly, in the kingdom of God, it means that God has seen. Because God uses those of us who follow him to be his hands and feet extended. And so when we look at this text, we discover very quickly that we are a people that are never to be self-absorbed with our own pleasure or our own needs. But we're people that have eyes to see the needs of others. We make a move to meet it. And the, the meeting the need isn't this creative, administrative thing. It's as simple as extending a hand with a cup of cold water. The reality of it is in my life is that I don't like cold water. Weird as it sounds. I like lukewarm water. You want to know why? The older I've gotten, the more sensitive my teeth are. How many of you are like me? The older you've gotten, see, amen, I'm not the weird one in the room. I look at people that drink a glass full with ice bulging out the top and it looks like pain on a stick to me. <laughs> but notice Jesus says it's a cup of cold water. But prior to that, he says something odd. He said if you receive a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. If you see, receive a righteous person, you get a righteous person's reward. Jesus is actually referencing two Older Testament events. He's referencing the widow at Zarephath that took in a prophet. Her food barrel was basically empty. She was scraping the bottom. But because she put the needs of others first, the prophet, God ended up keeping that barrel filled throughout the entire famine. Then there's another one. There's Rahab the prostitute in Jericho who brought in the righteous spies of Israel because she brought them in and showed them hospitality, she received a righteous person's reward. But you know, we look at those two events and we think the widow of Zarephath and the, pro the prostitute at Jericho, they get heavenly rewards. Look what they did. They did something that was huge. It changed the course of nations and battles and they did it out of faith. And Jesus says, same thing is them. The same reward is yours if you do this in my name. It's the same, cup of cold water. Cup of cold water. You will never lose your reward. Here's what I believe to be true. As Jesus followers, we believe there is more to this world than meets the eye. We believe that there is a spiritual world that co-inhabits this one. As part of this view, Jesus reminds us of rewards. Biblically, these rewards are immediate and everlasting. Giving a cup of cold water as simple and small as it appears to be qualifies for a reward. Think about the commissioning of Jesus' disciples. Jesus commissioned them to cast out demons, to raise the dead, and to heal the sick. How many of you did that this week? But it ends with this. Find someone's need and meet it. Even if it's just a cup of cold water. That in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God, they both get 
rewarded forever. Jesus concludes in the book of Matthew by saying the following. I want you to listen. Matthew 25, verses 34 through 40. This is right at the end of his earthly life. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And Jesus said, and if anyone gives even a cup of cold water, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Would you stand with me? As you stand, I want you to hold this cup of water in your hand. And I'd like us to take a moment and open up our hearts but close our eyes in God's presence whether you're here in the sanctuary or worshiping with us online. As you hold this cup of water in your hand, we are called to be people who are commissioned by Jesus to bring God's kingdom, to bring the kingdom of heaven into a desperate, broken, dysfunctional world. Wherever you go, the kingdom of heaven goes with you. For some of us, that's something that we need to step into by faith. You've been a Jesus follower, you've believed in him. But you have not fully committed yourself to the kingdom and to being a person in the kingdom where the purpose of your life is that the kingdom of heaven would come to earth through you. For others, you know that you've been living entirely for yourself. Your life is filled with you. Jesus said, the greatest among us will be the servant of all. Jesus said to his disciples, a cup of cold water, meeting the needs of others, will never lose its reward. God is calling all of us to serve. All of us from the oldest to the youngest, and every woman and man here in this sanctuary are worshiping with us at home. For some of you, this will mean a change of life, a radical change of life. 
you've bought into the kingdoms of this world, that it's about you and yours and your pleasure and your schedule. But this morning, Jesus is convicting you that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God and who he is, is to be at the center. As we conclude our time, we're going to open up these altars for prayer. And this literally is an altar this morning, these steps. It's a place where you can come and kneel and pray. Maybe God is convicting you deeply. Maybe you know that this is just a moment in time where God wants to speak to your heart. What we're going to do as the worship team leads us in worship is we're going to open up this front. No one will come to pray with you or to pray for you. It's just going to be a sacred space that if you sense the tug of the Spirit, that you'll step out and come forward and spend some time in prayer. You could kneel, you could sit on the steps, or you could just stand. But if God's tugging on your heart, I encourage you to step out and respond and put feet to your faith.